Good morning, everyone. Welcome. We're glad that you're here today. We welcome you and uh, hope that God is going to bless you in a very special way together uh, today as we gather together in God's name and worship the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, We welcome our guests especially. You're very important to us. We hope that you'll feel much a part of our family as we worship God together today. Uh, Also, we'd like to recognize Pam Gardner is back with us. Oh, she said that the applause goes back to this church. <laughs> she, uh, she is back with us as a, after an extended illness, and it's great to see you back in your place, Pam. It's great to, great to see you here. Uh, let me remind everyone of the attendance sheets on each row. We'd like to ask, if you would, to take that and fill it out. Uh, give us as much information as you'd like to give us there and check the appropriate box so we can have a record of your attendance with us this morning. Also, if you'd like to receive our email newsletter, please be sure to put your email address on there uh, so that we can uh, put you on the list to get that, that email newsletter. It's a great way to keep up with the activities going on here at Community Baptist Church. Speaking of some of those activities, let me remind everyone that this Thursday is uh, Halloween, isn't it? It, uh, and as always, on uh, Halloween night, we have a fall festival here at Community Baptist Church, and it's a big blowout event. It's a wonderful time. We will be serving free chili to hundreds of people as, uh, as they come into uh, our, our space here. We'll be having games and costume contests and, and uh, door prizes and lots and lots of neat things going on. So we invite you to come to that and be a part of that. Uh, it's, it's a lot, a lot of fun. And come dressed up if you would. It's always interesting to see people uh, uh, dressed up in their different costumes. But also we could use your help in several different ways. Uh, first of all, we need candy and uh, cupcakes and financial contributions. So if you would like to uh, contribute in, in that way, then you can, you can do that. Also, we'd like to ask you immediately after church, if you're an able-bodied person, uh, we have all of our decorations up here in, in this room back here, and we need help bringing them down. That's all we needed today is help toting them down the stairs. So if you could uh, help in just for just a few minutes after the service, many hands make light work. That's what my mama used to tell me. Okay. Right, mama? <laughs> But also on Wednesday night, after we bring all this stuff down, on Wednesday night we're going to decorate uh, after, after Bible study. So at about 7.30 on Wednesday night we're going to be decorating. So if you can hang around after Bible study or if you can come then, uh, then help us decorate uh, for our event on Thursday. We would appreciate that. Now, you were probably given a handful of paper today, weren't you? you got lots of things. I hope you do anyway. Uh, lots of things going on. Uh, so I want to call your attention to some of those. One is the nominating team form. Let me see if I can find the right one. The nominating team form. Uh, this is survey team form um, or nominating team survey form. I'll get that out right in a minute. Uh, this is an important tool for the nominating committee to use. And so if you would, uh, take this and fill it out. We'll be taking this up in, in, uh, today and, and probably in another week or two. And you may want to wait until a little bit later to fill this out 
because I'm hoping that my sermon will influence some of you today. <laughs> and, and we're going we're gonna to be taking these up uh, at the end of the service. Also, you have a deacon nomination form, and we'll be taking these up at the end of the service as well. Uh, please uh, circle up to, up to five people uh, that you would like to nominate as a deacon. And now, uh, uh, where's Chris? There's Chris. Chris, uh, we, we're going to have a brief business meeting, uh, and uh, so I'll introduce our moderator, Chris Hopgood. One of your handouts is a deacon nomination election process, and this is to revise our bylaws to refine our deacon election process. It'll look a lot like it did before. It's got an extra step. Uh, in it and a little more definition or um, uh, information for the deacons to transition. So we're going to try to do this earlier in the fall, and that way the newly elected deacons would then be able to work with the deacon that they're replacing to help transition those families that they'll be uh, shepherding. So you've got this handout. It's uh, The proposed change has seven uh, subparts. Uh, essentially, it is the to submit the qualifications two weeks in advance, give people an opportunity to remove their names. Uh, the church would then submit nominations. There's a deacon committee that would re review those nominations, uh, come up with a slate, and then uh, the um, slate would be proposed to the church. church would confirm it, then the new deacon would transition with the old deacon to take care of those families. This has been submitted to the church business meeting two weeks ago. It was passed. So like most regular uh, business meetings, it's here for an up or down vote. Uh, it comes from the business meeting, so I'm just going to call for a vote to approve these bylaws and accept these uh, nomination changes. All in favor of approving these bylaws signify by saying aye. aye. Any opposed? Okay, these are our new bylaws and will govern the deacon election process. Thank you, Chris. Uh, one other uh, person I'd like to introduce to you today is uh, someone who is going to bless us in song in a little bit, and that's Britton Riley. Uh, you will, some of you know Britton. Uh, we met Britton, I, I guess it was, when was that, uh, three years ago, four years ago, something like that, when the flood came around, uh, when, when we were flooded here. Britton works for um, the local chapter of the American Red Cross. And so he was hanging out here pretty regularly uh, during those days when we had some families sheltered here in our, um, in our facilities. And uh, he became a friend of many of us. Uh, we, uh, he and I have worked together with our VOAD uh, 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 volunteer organizations, active in disaster, and, and a lot of things. And one of the things that we uh, found out when we were talking with him is that he sings. And he's sung here before, and he's got a fabulous voice. And so we will uh, look forward to your song with us, Britton. We're, we're glad that you're here. Let's stand and greet each other in the name of the Lord. Just spend a moment uh, sharing God's love. Yeah, 
kids thinking. Now you got a little, a little vertigo going, but if I move my head a certain way, it's like, woo. Please join me as we read together our responsive reading titled, Mission. Feed my sheep, you say. Lord, these words don't give us any room for wiggling out of your commandment. If we are to be your sheep-feeding followers, then we are signing on for a costly love. How can, we how can you really expect us to love as you love? Yeah. 
So in humble response, here we are, Lord, such as we are, ready to tend your sheep as listeners, helpers, handholders, creators, neighbors, healers in your name. Blessed as we are, now let us bless in the name of Christ, who is the face of costly love. Amen. Our scripture reading for this morning is from 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 6 through 18. Now we command you, beloved, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to keep away from believers who are living in idleness and not according to the tradition that they received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us. We were not idle when we were with you, and we did not eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with toil and labor we worked night and day so that we might not burden any of you. This was not because we do not have that right, but in order to give you an example to imitate. For even when we were with you, we gave you this command. Anyone unwilling to work should not eat. For we hear that some of you are living in idleness, mere busybodies, not doing any work. Now such persons we command and exhort in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. Brothers and sisters, do not be weary in doing what is right. Take note of those who do not obey what we say in this letter. Have nothing to do with them so that they may be ashamed. Do not regard them as enemies, but warn them as believers. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and all ways. The Lord be with all of you. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. This is the mark in every letter of mine. It is the way I write. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with all of you. You guys hear me? Okay. I have a couple of questions for you today in regards to what Mr. Hine just talked about. So can you guys help me out? And then I might have a little treat if you guys can help me out. Although most of you had a lot of sugar in Sunday school, didn't you? I saw you guys with some sugar already. You didn't eat any? (laughs) Oh, many. 
Any. That's okay. I have, I've got some over here, too. So my first question is, when you're at school, if you want to get a good grade, how do you get a good grade? Do you... So you can't just show up and just sleep on your desk and throw pencils and you can't do that kind of stuff? That wouldn't be very nice for your teacher either, would it? Because she spent, spent all day making up a lesson. So what about sports? What if you want to be really good at a sport? Do you just, like for upward, do you just show up and you're just good? No, that's not my experience either. <laughs> You practice? And sometimes you get frustrated, right? Like sometimes you can't hit it or sometimes you don't do very good, but you just have to keep practicing and you have to be happy about it, right? Just do it and be happy. Well, being a Christian is kind of like both of those. You can't just come to church and say, okay, I'm a Christian, right? What do you do when you're not at church to show your friends that you're a good Christian? Maybe you mean if someone's sick, like you help them? Anybody else? Maybe if your friend's having a bad day, you know, you maybe give them a hug. Or ask them if they want to talk. So even when things aren't going exactly like you want, like in school or with sports or, you know, with a friend, we still want to make sure that we put in the extra work that it takes to be a Christian. Because it's not enough to just come and sit in your chair and listen to Dr. Hobbs. You also want to make sure that you're doing things, like Gracie said, like, someone's sick, you help them, Mm -hmm. helping others. That's right. Because every time somebody sees you, they see God through you, right? So, do you guys have any questions? You good? You ready for your treat then?
please pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we humble ourselves today. We want to be slow to judge and ready to provide aid. We strive to increase our commitment to be thoughtful and generous people. Help us to be unassuming in our service, but bold in your mission. We ask that you bless these tithes and offerings to do your work. And be with Dr. Tim as he delivers his sermon. In your name I pray, amen.
Well, you did it to me again. I have to follow that. <laughs> thank you, Britton. Uh, thank you so much for what you do in this community, and thank you for sharing your gift of music with us this morning. It was a great blessing. So, Someone um, was visiting an office one day and saw these signs hanging on a wall. One said, work fascinates me. I can sit and watch it for hours. Another one said, I don't mind going to work, but that eight-hour wait to go home is awful. And finally, a third one said, hard work may not kill me, but why take the chance? (laughs) You know, people have all kinds of attitudes about their work, don't they? Actor Robert Benchley once said that anyone can do any amount of work provided it isn't the work that he or she is supposed to be doing at the moment. And, of course, that famous author, Anonymous, has said that the perfect summer day is when the sun is shining, the breeze is blowing, the birds are singing, and the lawnmower is broken. Someone else has said that the worst day of fishing is better than the best day of working any day, and I've heard the same thing said about golf. But most of us can probably relate to that bumper sticker that says, I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. Well, it seems that the Apostle Paul was having some difficulty with the church at Thessalonica. You see, some of the members there were refusing to do their share of the work. And this was a communal situation where everybody needed to to pitch in to take care of one another. And he writes this in response to that dilemma. He says, In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you, brothers and sisters, to keep away from every believer who is idle and disruptive and does not live according to the teachings you received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. We were not idle when we were with you, nor did did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we worked night and day, laboring and toiling so that we would not be a burden to you. We did this not because we do not have the right to such help, but in order to offer ourselves as a model to you for you to imitate. For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. The one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. We hear that some among you are idle and disruptive. They are not busy. They are busy bodies. Such people we command and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn the food they eat. And as for you, brothers and sisters, never tire of doing what is good. So what do you do with people who refuse to do their share of the work. And I doubt that I have to tell you, it's true in every organization, some people simply do not pull their fair share of the load. Indira Gandhi Gandhi once said, there are two kinds of people in the world, those who do the work and those who take the credit. And then she said, try to be in the first group. There's less competition. Do you realize, by the way, that among rich nations, people in the United States works 
work the longest hours? I certainly believe that. Americans work much longer than Europeans, for example, and and the dif- this difference is uh, quite surprising because productivity per hour is about the same in the United States as it is in France and Germany and other such nations, and it's growing at a similar rate. But in most countries and at most times in history, as people have become richer, they have chosen to work less. In other words, they decided to they decided to, to spend a part of their potential income on a fuller personal life. And so after the, over the past uh, 50 years or so, Europeans have continued this pattern, and the hours that people work have, have fallen. But here in the United States, we seem to prefer acquiring things as opposed to having more time. And there are pros and cons to both of these, ranging from personal satisfaction to uh, economic productivity. But it's interesting, it's an interesting difference in attitude. And yet still, even with this American work ethic that we have, there are still a lot of people who avoid doing their share of the work. Now, I'm tempted to ask you if there are any slackers in your office or your place of work. But I'm not going to do that because I don't want to get anybody in trouble. But I I will say that it would be very surprising to me if there's not at least somebody in your workplace that you feel like doesn't pull their fair share. But Paul seemed to be having that difficulty in the church at Thessalonica. Some people were faithful in serving Jesus. Others were not. And it's not that they didn't have some good excuses. They did. Some of them looked down on plain everyday work because of their upbringing. For example, some of those from a a Jewish background, but they believed in hard work, but they believed that spiritual work was more important than physical work. And they believed that only those who studied the Scripture, like the scribes, were really doing anything worthwhile, but not those who did manual labor. They looked down on them. Some of those from the Greek backgrounds also uh, didn't like to work. They thought it was demeaning to them, and they left most of their work to their, their slaves and their servants. And then there were, there were some others in the church there who believed that work was no longer necessary because Jesus was going to come back any moment anyway, so why bother? They had a lot of excuses for not working just like many people do today. And it's amazing how creative people can get when making excuses. Abraham Lincoln was once asked about the size of the Confederate Army, and Lincoln said the Confederate Army has 1.2 million men. But when one of his aides politely expressed his doubt about that figure, Lincoln said there's no doubt at all that they have 1.2 million men. You see, the generals, when they get whipped in a battle, always say that the enemy outnumbered them at least three to one. And we have 400,000 men, so the Confederates must have 1.2 million men. It seems that Lincoln knew that it's, it's human nature to make excuses when our performance is not up to par. And the members of the church at Thessalonica had a lot of good excuses, too, just as you and I do. 
when, it, when there was work to be done. And I would say that churches are like most organizations. They are a living testimony to Pareto's principle that 20% of people do 80% of the work. It's just human nature. In church, probably in, in the uh, Red Cross, probably in any other organization out there, 20% of the people do 80% of the work. And some of you, of you are a part of that 20%. And let me say to you, I am so grateful for you because we would not be able to make it without you. Noted pastor and author Rick Warren once asked, do you know what the worst sin is for Christians? It's not adultery. It's not murder. It's not some sort of sexual sin. God tells us in Revelation 3 that the worst sin for Christians is lukewarmness. No passion. He says these people have the attitude that God is just one of those things in my life. I have my social life. I have my career. I have my sexual life. I have my family life. And over here, here's that little piece of the pie that we call church. But God says, how dare you? He says, I love you this much. I love you passionately. I made you. I created you. I planned you. I purposed you. I saved you. I have a place for you in heaven. And you would treat me with that half-hearted indifference that says, excuse me, but there's a good TV show on tonight. And I can't be there. Jesus says, I'd rather to have you hot or cold, but not lukewarm. Because lukewarm makes me sick to my stomach. That's what he said in Revelation. Well, apparently some of the members of the church at Thessalonica, like any church, were guilty of being lukewarm. They were refusing to carry their share of the burden of the mission of the church. And if that wasn't bad enough, even worse, some of these lukewarm Christians brought a negative spirit into their fellowship. You see, not only were they idle and didn't pull their fair share of the load, but they also criticized those who, who were doing the work. And Paul called them busybodies. And Paul had little use for these kinds of people. They were doing more harm than good. As Warren Wearsby puts it, they had time on their hands and gossip on their lips. You ever known anybody like that? We all have. Chuck Swindle describes these people like this. He said, busybodies busy flit from house to house, taking little nectar drops of gossip with them and leaving behind their own residue of irritating pollen. He says, there's a vast difference between putting your nose in other people's business and putting your heart into their problems. These people are busybodies. An unknown author once said that he met the strangest man on the way to church one day. And here's how he describes him. He said he believed in the Bible, but he never reads it. He said he thought well of the church that he was a member of, but he never attends or invites others to share in its ministry. 
He said a person should be honest with God in matters of money, but he never tithes. He said the younger generation needs the Lord, but he isn't willing to do anything that will lead them in that direction. He said the church needs dedicated Christian members, but he isn't one of them. He offered constructive criticism of some of the workers, but he never works. He says the church should do more in ministering for pe- to people, but he doesn't help. He's critical of the way the church is run, but he never participates. He says he believes in the second coming of Jesus, but he lives as though the Lord will never return. And he says prayer changes things, but he never prays. He was, says this author, a strange man indeed. Well, folks, that's not really all that strange. Because there are a lot of people like that all through the world of Christendom. And Paul calls people like that busybodies. They are busy, but they're not constructive. You know, we tend to overlook the fact that the mind is always active. It's never still. And here's the thing. It's either thinking positive thoughts or it's thinking negative thoughts. And a person may have an idle body, but not an idle mind. And and this is the reason why so many people, so many idle people, regardless of their age, get into trouble. Because their mind's always working, and it's either doing something positive or something negative. And that tells me that it's dangerous to be idle. And too many believers in Thessalonica were becoming idle busybodies, poking their noses into other people's business, tattling, gossiping, spreading all kinds of rumors. And why was that? Well, because it's easier to be a busybody than it is to minister to the needs of those within the community who are hurting or lonely or desperate or dying or lost. Some of you may be familiar with a little book. It's called Life's Little Instruction Book. It's a great little book. I I encourage you to pick it up. It's very simple. It was compiled by H. Jackson Brown, Jr. And apparently when his son was packing for his freshman year in college, Brown retreated into his study and began to compile 511 observations and words of counsel for his son. And the result was this, life's little instruction book, 511 suggestions, observations, and reminders on how to live a happy and rewarding life. And among his suggestions were things like number 115, give yourself a year and read the Bible cover to cover. Here are some others. Compliment three people every day. Have a dog. Stop blaming others. Eat prunes. Lend only those books you never care to see again. And here's an interesting one. Avoid any church that has cushions in the pews. We don't have pews, so we're exempt. (laughs) But there are more. Spend less time worrying about who's right and more time doing what's right. I like that one. Keep secrets. Just to see how it feels for the next 24 hours, refrain from criticizing anybody for anything. 
Don't use time or words careless, carelessly. Ne- neither can be retrieved. And finally, don't gossip. And that's pretty good advice for, for all of us, and especially for anyone who may be tempted to be a busybody. And, of course, the strongest argument against being idle or being a busybody is that we have a world to save in the name of Jesus Christ. Folks, just look around you. Look around you at the people who need the Lord. That lonely teenager, that shut-in, the single mom struggling to keep her family afloat, the angry man with hatred in his heart, the depressed woman looking for love in the arms of the wrong men, the children who are never exposed to God or to Jesus except through a curse. Tell me that you have nothing to do except criticizing those who are trying to make a difference. Tell me that you are a follower of Jesus Christ, but that these people don't matter. They do. And it's up to us to do something about it. Pastor Ron Hutchcraft suggests that Jesus wants us to go mad. And I know it's an interesting way of putting it, but mad is an acronym. It's spelled M, period, capital M, capital A, capital B. And it's not in the original Greek or anything like that. But when he says that Jesus wants us to go mad, he's saying that Jesus wants us to go make a difference. Go make a difference. My friends, if you make a constructive difference in the lives of other people, then you won't have time to be a busybody. Tom Long tells about a friend who who took a church youth group on a mission trip to Jamaica. He said on their trip they visited one of the local elementary schools and spent some time observing a classroom that was seriously overcrowded with children. Most of them were very poor, and all of them were needy and wiggly and noisy and unruling, and it was a a difficult and sometimes even chaotic learning environment. But this youth group marveled to see this teacher, how she carried herself with great calm and patience, treating each one of these unruly children with love and respect despite their poverty and despite all of the chaos going on in her room. And they decided that the only way this teacher could do what she did was because she really loved being a teacher. But they were surprised to hear her say, Oh, I don't come here every day because I love teaching. I come here every day because I love Jesus. And I see Jesus in every one of these little children. My friends, that saint of God will never be idle, will never be a busybody. She'll never be among the 80% who want a free ride in the church. You see, she loves Jesus. And that pretty much says it all. And you see it in the way she lives her life. So the question I have is, could the same be said of you?
Do you love Jesus? Do you really love Jesus? Are you, do you really appreciate? Are you grateful for what God has done in your life? Then prove it. Don't just sit around and let others do all the work. Do something great for the sake of the Lord. Because God has called us to do that. Fill out your nominating team form. (laughs) I hope everybody has one. And we'll put something down there. And be willing to do your part for the sake of our church. And most of all, for the sake of God's kingdom. Amen. I am so grateful that I am a part of this congregation who really loves one another and who are really joined together in that that bond of love. And no, we're not singing we're one in the bond of love, but we're singing about the bond of love, and that is blessed be the tie. Because there is a tie that binds us all together. And I'm so glad that I'm a part of a congregation that is tied to one another through the love of Jesus Christ. And so I think we ought to sing this with great gusto. Because we love one another. And we love God. So let's join together in singing our closing hymn. Uh, Blessed be the tie. And and by the way, it's number 387 and not 337 as it's printed in your your worship folder. And let's sing together. And then we'll have our our deacon nomination uh, in just a few moments. be seated for just a moment. Um, two, two matters of business. We are doing our deacon nomination today, and I hope everyone has a copy of the form. 
Is there anyone here who does not have a copy of the Deacon nomination form? Uh, there's a few back here. There's some back in the back. There's one here. Or pencil. Do you need a pencil? We have pencils too. Just make sure you get the get a form. And once you get that form, we'd like to ask if you would to uh, to circle up to five names on that form. Circle up to five names that you would like to nominate uh, as a deacon for our church. Uh, up to five names, and, uh, and and that's the limit. Okay, so don't don't do six. If you do six, we'll have to cancel the ballot. So uh, please circle up to five names, and uh, we'll take those up in just a few moments. Yeah, and and these are these names on here are members of the church. Uh, who are 21 years old or over and who have not um, selected to take their name off the ballot or who are not uh, active deacons now. When, when you are done with that, if we could just pass them to the inside of the row. And, uh, hey, Greg, um, there we go. Good. Just pass those to the inside of the row, and Greg will take those up. Also, if you would like to go ahead and fill out that nominating survey form, we'll take that up at this point as well. And we'll give you a few minutes to do that. Are there any other forms that we need to pass in? There's some over here, I think. And I'm seeing somebody pointing, but I don't see where to. Okay. Okay, do we have everybody? I don't want to leave anybody out. Thank you so much for bearing anybody else. Any, okay, looks like we got everything. So we've got lots of deacon nominations and lots of nomination team survey forms, right? After that sermon? <laughs> you know, guilt's not such a bad thing. <laughs> it can be highly effective sometimes. So, 
uh, but I don't like to use it, and I'm glad I don't have to use it very often. So uh, thank you so much for bearing with us uh, as we have filled out these forms, as we've nominated these deacons, as we've uh, uh, volunteered our time and our service through our, our nominating team. And they'll be working very soon, and so you can expect to hear from them soon. Let us stand, and we'll have our benediction together. O God, who never tires of doing good, we praise you for giving us life. We praise you for giving us meaningful work. We praise you for giving us food to eat, shelter to live in, our family's good health, and the extended family of our church. We thank you for giving us a big vision for this world. And if we lack any good thing, bless us, O God, with the courage and the energy to do what we can and and the faith to leave the rest in your hands. Through Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.